command that, that we would love our neighbor as ourselves. This is what, what we already know, right? So what's different about this? Well, notice how Paul qualifies the type of love that we're supposed to have. He says, let love be genuine. What is the idea there? What is he trying to get across? Is, it, is, is there a difference in loves that, that we might have toward people? You know, oftentimes we might think, yeah, I love them, but you know, I don't really like them. Or, you know, I love them, but not in this way or that. What, what is love really? And, and what is genuine love? You know, this is what we, we need to understand because this is how Paul qualifies it. And this is how he says the renewed mind thinks about other people. Uh, We're going to be studying verse 9 all the way down through the end of the chapter. And it's going to seem like a series of commands uh, as we study through this. You're going to see kind of command after command after command. But they're all related to this initial command of let love be genuine. And we're going to kind of see as we look at this that we can categorize the commands that a genuine love is an affectionate love, it is a fervent love, and it is a sacrificial love. And that's, that's what we're going to see tonight and, and be talking about. So, first of all, I'd like to see that... This thing kind of went crazy. Oh, well, I'll let it be up there. Um, first of all, look at the CSB, the Christian Standard Bible, and the way it translates this verse. He says, Let love be without hypocrisy. Detest or hate what is evil. Cling to what is good. Well, whenever we start thinking, what is, what is genuine love? Well, this helps us to wrap our minds around what, what a genuine love is a little bit more. Whenever you think of something that's genuine, you think about something that's real, right? Something that's not fake or, or counterfeit. It's, it's the real deal. So let love be genuine is saying, have a love that is real, that, that is not fake. Uh, that is not uh, for show. He says, let love be without hypocrisy. Don't, don't show yourself as being a loving person when really inside you don't have a love for the person. Uh, and this is the way that he, he words that. But notice how he adds to that by saying, detest what is evil and cling to what is good. What does that have to do with let love be genuine? Why does he go into detest what is evil and hold fast to what is good? Well, whenever we think about this, this kind of makes sense to us. A genuine love doesn't care about itself. And if it does care about itself, then it's, it's really not genuine. It's, it's self-seeking and it's self, self-serving. And the things that we're doing whenever we're, we're showing a fake love is uh, things that are not really... Uh, good. I mean, they're really evil. It's, it's selfishness. It's, it's prideful. It's, it's an attempt to get my way and get what I want. And he's saying, genuine love abhors all evil and clings to what is good. It's not enough to act like I love you, but it's, a, it's, it's, it's more than that. It's hating that anything evil would happen between us and, and wanting everything between us to be good and right and pure. And this is the way that he describes it. He says, detest what is evil, cling to what is good. And this is the way that the transformed mind is supposed to think. That I don't want anything to do with with evil. I want to have goodness. I want to have kindness, gentleness, and patience, and love that is real with someone else. And not be self-serving or abusing or using someone to get what I really want. he wants us to be affectionate with our love. Look at uh, verse 
9 and how it transitions into verse 10. He says, Let love be genuine, abhor what is evil, hold fast to what is good. Let love one another with brotherly affection. Well, this helps us really with this idea of abhor what is evil, cling to what is good. Uh, Love one another with a brotherly affection. Whenever we choose to love our family members, we, we really understand this idea of evil and good. Uh, you know, if you've had siblings, uh, you, you know what that relationship can be like as you grow up together in the same household and, and there's, there's fussing and fighting and things that go on, angry outbursts, uh, selfish ambitions, mistreatments, things like that that go on. And, and as we get older, we start to realize that those things are really bad for our relationships. You know, mom and dad aren't going to force us to get along <laughs> any, anymore. And we're going to have to learn to do what's good to each other, to be kind, to be gentle toward, toward one another. And we're going to have to learn to cherish this relationship and show a love that's more genuine toward one another. And so we see that the idea of abhorring what is evil and clinging to what is good makes a lot of sense in our relationships with with, with our siblings and with those who are in our families because if there's sin between us, we don't want it there. Whether it's my sin or their sin, we don't want it there anymore. That affects our relationship and, and affects uh, the way that we're able to help one another and, and, and serve one another. So, so we want to abhor what is evil. We want to cling to what is good. We want to be affectionate toward one another. We want to have a, a love that is like this familial love toward one another. Uh, I've, I've heard that many here are actually family. Uh, but this is the way that the whole body of Christ is supposed to see themselves. That we are all one family. And that we are all to love one another uh, with this kind of familial love. A, a love that is sincere, that is intimate, that is deep, that is, is willing to, to embrace and welcome one another as though we are brothers. As though we've, we have come from the same descendant. As though uh, we have a close relationship where we are gentle and patient and loving with one another. And, and we have the same father. We have the same brother. We have the same goal in life. We, we, are, we are good. We are trying to be pure. We are trying to do what's right at all costs. And this is the picture that he gives us of genuine love. That it is this family rela- relationship that we have with one another. Uh, then he goes on in verses 10 through 13 to talk about how genuine love is fervent. Look at what he says uh, after love one another with brotherly affection. He says, Outdo one another in showing honor. Do not be slothful in zeal. Be fervent in spirit. Serve the Lord. Rejoice in hope. Be patient in tribulation. Be constant in prayer. Contribute to the needs of the saints and seek to show hospitality. Notice in this text that he talks about genuine love as more than just a feeling like you're my brother. More than just this affection and this, uh, this, this desire to get to know you more deeply and more intimately. It's, it's also an outer showing. How many times have we heard uh, love is, a, is, is something you feel and we reject that and here Paul says, let love be affectionate. Yeah? Let, have, love one another with brotherly affection. But then how many times have we responded with that with like, love does things and love is, is doing what is, what is good for the other person. And here Paul says, 
Love is both of those things. Genuine love is not just a feeling, but genuine love is also doing. Uh, And the way that he words this is fascinating. He says, outdo one another in showing honor. Uh, You know, we're we're in this sibling rivalry with one another. Like, I want to do more loving things towards you than you do for me. I'm going to be better than you at loving the lowly and and loving uh, other people than anybody else. And this is like running the race, which we talked about this morning. I want to outdo everyone in showing love. The picture there is that we're going to be fervent, that we're going to be desiring this and zealous toward this goal of loving other people. You know, sometimes we might uh, think that, you know, well, you haven't, nobody's shown me love yet, so I'm not going to show love back to them. But here we see, you know, love is something that is initiated by, uh, by the one who is desiring to show love. This is a fervency, a desire inside of us to fulfill the needs of those around us. When we look at this text, notice how he says this. Um, Rejoice in hope, be patient in tribulation, be constant in prayer, contribute to the needs of the saints, and seek to show hospitality. Well, you know, there's a number of commands in here that I'm like, well, those things don't really seem like they would have an impact on other people. It seems more like something I would do for myself. Rejoicing in hope, being patient in tribulation, being constant in prayer. But think for a second about the kind of impact that that has on us as those around us are not being this way. If we have brothers and sisters in Christ who are not rejoicing in hope, uh, who are not patient in tribulation, who are not constant in prayer, think about the impact that, that it has whenever we're engaged in evil activities instead of in the good activities. And he's pointing out here that that love is fulfilling the spiritual needs of those around us. Love is something that we're trying to do in every aspect of our lives. As we are having a relationship with God and we are being fervent in our prayer life, we are being fervent in our, our, our tribulations that we're, we're desiring to do what's right and what's good, we're loving our brethren as well so that they feel encouraged and built up to do the same kinds of things. This is a way that we meet their spiritual needs. But also he mentions the physical needs. He says, contribute to the needs of the saints. Seek to show hospitality. Do the physical things that are needed as well as the spiritual things. It's not enough for us to say, uh, I, I prayed for you and be unwilling to take time out of our schedule to actually go and to help them with with what they need. It's not enough to just pray or to just set a good example by being patient in our own tribulations. There also has to be a going out and doing things. And it's not enough to just do those things and then have a life of our own that's a wreck. We have to do it all. We have to be uh, transformed in the way that we live our lives and and recognize, recognize how that affects all those who are around us. We can either lift one another up or we can bring one another down by meeting or not meeting the spiritual needs that they have. Uh, Genuine love is affectionate like family, but it also is fervently serving one another and striving to meet the needs of all those around us. But it's not just that we're striving to meet those needs when it's convenient. But notice how he continues in verses 14 through 20. He says, Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse them. 
Rejoice with those who rejoice. Weep with those who weep. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be haughty, but associate with the lowly. Never be wise in your own sight. Repay no one evil for evil, but give thought to do what is honorable in the sight of all. If possible, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. Beloved, never avenge yourselves, but leave it to the wrath of God. For it is written, Vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. To the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. For by so doing, you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. He gives a number of commands in this text and we kind of see a, a, a relationship between the commands that all of this is talking about doing the things that are really hard for us to do. Look at some of the things listed. Bless those who curse you. That's really hard. To bless somebody who has just cursed me, I don't want to do that. Uh, that but that's love. That's genuine love. Bless those who curse you. Weep with those who weep. Well, that, you know, I, I'll weep about my stuff. <laughs> but to be vulnerable enough and to invest my life enough in, in, in someone else's life that I'm actually physically overwhelmed by the situation, the pain, and the suffering that they're in, that's another level of love. That's sacrificial love. He says, associate with the lowly. What benefit does that give me? <laughs> uh, you know, where, where's, where, what am I going to get out of this? Repay no one evil for evil. There's again, bless those who curse you. Repay no one evil for evil. Don't avenge yourselves. Live peaceably with all. Uh, and give your enemy whatever they need. Basically, as Jesus said, love your enemies. It really breaks down into two different categories. It's you serve and you love those who are lowly and who won't profit you. And you serve and you love those who are our enemies. That, that we might help them in some way. And what we see in this is God's love. This is the way God loves God loves affectionately, fervently, sacrificially. He loves us in, in a way that is beyond our comprehension. And as we see Jesus come to the earth, this is the way He loves us. And He wants us to love one another this way. So, let's evaluate ourselves. Let's think about our own love and our own lives. Are we, are we being the kind of loving brothers and sisters and Christians that we ought to be? Are we showing that the love of God, the mercy of God has, has transformed us to become living sacrifices in our lives? Are we willing to have a renewed mind about those around us? First of all, are we willing to be affectionate? Are we willing to love one another with brotherly affection? Are we willing to open up our lives and, and be vulnerable and, and be sincere and run to one another when we have problems and have a relationship that's deeper than just surface level? Are we willing to do what it takes to have that closeness, that feeling that I know you, you know me, more than just someone I see at the church building? but that you're like my family. You know, 
at a congregation of 60 people, uh, this is very much within reach. Uh, think about the first century, a congregation of 3,000 people. How, how complicated that would be to, to make sure everyone had love. And you see the complication in Acts 6 when the widows were being left out, the lowly are being left out. And, and people see that and they tend to their needs. And they show the affection and the love toward one another. Oh, don't we struggle with this though? I mean, we're busy. We've got a lot of things going on in our lives. And if we're honest, as we look out into the world, people in the world don't love like that. I mean, as I meet people, they don't really want me to get that involved in their life. And they don't really want to hear about my sufferings. And they don't really want to hear about my trials and the things that I'm struggling with. They, they could really care less about that. If, you know, if they say, how are you doing? They don't mean, tell me what's really going on in your life. They mean, I want you to say fine so that I can get a smile and then move on. And, and we're getting to where that's not even happening anymore. This is the way the world shows love. But that's not the way that we're supposed to show love. How many, how many times do we see Christians not acting in a way that, that is sincere, that is affectionate, that is intimate, that is deep? And why not us? Why, why don't we act that way? Is it because society is influencing us to act the way that they act toward one another? Uh, it's very clear that Jesus has promised us that we would, once we come into His family, have brothers and sisters. You look at Mark chapter 10, 19-20, and He says, uh, There's no one who's left houses or brothers or sisters or mother or father or children or lands for My sake and for the Gospel who will not receive a hundredfold now in this time houses, brothers, sisters, mothers, children, lands with persecutions and in the age to come eternal life. Here's Jesus promising if you give up everything to serve me, if your family rejects you because you come after me with all your heart, you're going to find a family. Are we willing to be the family that Jesus intended for us to be on the earth? Are we willing to be that affectionate toward people that we don't know and come to know them and all their faults and all the struggles and all the, the pain that it, that it may take, uh, the weeping that we may have to do with them? Are we willing to go through all that and have a deeper relationship? Are we affectionate? Then I would ask, are we fervent? You know, am, I, am I fervent in my desire? Uh, there's a lot of work that, that oftentimes goes on behind the scenes. In this congregation, I can see a lot of workers going on behind the scenes and doing things just a little bit as I'm here. And you probably know it much better having been here. Uh, but are we, are we fervently working to show love toward all of those around us? Uh, are we out doing one another and showing honor? Is this our attitude toward the love that we're showing each other? That, that I want to show more love than anyone else and not just get to know you, but I want to I serve you. I don't just want to have fond feelings of you, but I want to know what you need. And I want to help you with that. And I want to sacrifice the time that it takes to do that. 
Uh, is this the way that, that we see ourselves, that we're willing to do what needs to be done to serve one another? One, one phrase that I kind of skipped over intentionally is in verse uh, 11. He says, Do not be slothful in zeal. Be fervent in spirit. Serve the Lord. As we love one another, it turns out we're actually showing our love to the Lord. So, it may be that someone comes in these doors and they are Jesus in disguise. <laughs> you look at it, and, and as Jesus talks about it in Matthew 25, uh, He says, Inasmuch as you did it in one of the least of these, you've done it to Me. Jesus sees our loving toward the lowliest of those around us as being loved toward Jesus. And notice in that, in that text he says, I was hungry and you gave me food. I was thirsty and you gave me drink. I was a stranger and you welcomed me. I was naked and you clothed me. I was sick and you visited me. I was in prison and you came to me. And they said, when did we do that? When you did it to one of the least of these. You did it to me. Are we fervent in our love as though we're serving Jesus as we serve this person? What would we do if Jesus was in the building right now? <laughs> what would we be doing for Him? I mean, how, how would we be responding to Him being here? How would we want to meet His needs, to serve Him and, and help Him in whatever way we can? That's how He wants us to view one another. That's how He wants us to view all those around us. He wants us to contribute to the physical and the emotional, the, the spiritual needs of the saints who are around us. Um, whenever I was uh, just becoming a Christian, I experienced this, and it, it made a huge impact on my life. Uh, there's a, an older brother in Christ who just kind of, he, he started talking to me and getting to know me more deeper, and I felt like his brother. And it was a hard time for me because my family was not okay with the, the life that I was choosing to be so focused on spiritual things and to be a member of the Lord's church. It was, it was a cult or something like that. And, and here I am, feeling kind of alone, uh, not having a family that much anymore. But this man took me and, and was talking and, and helping and interested and trying to, to help me in any way he could. And I've had multiple men who have taken me and, and been brothers with me like that. And I've been trying to do that as well. And these relationships that go deeper than surface level have changed my life. And that's what we want. We want to change each other's life. We want, to, we want our lives to be changed. And we want to be more faithful to God and we want to glorify God in, in whatever way we can. And that's what it's all about. So will we do what needs to be done and give up whatever it is that, that is distracting us and sacrifice our resources and our time to do that? Are we willing to love sacrificially in how we serve one another? You know, he mentions associating with the lowly. I would, I would ask you, uh, is this what you do? Is this the way that you view people? Are you looking out and you're seeing somebody who's not getting a whole lot of attention and you're kind of thinking, I need to befriend them. I need to get to know them and I need to have a relationship with them and help them in some way and, and give them something that they really need to, to be built up, to be educated, to be edified and to be encouraged 
in this life? Or am I choosing friends that make me happy? Uh, whenever I get up from the pew after service, am I looking around for visitors that, that I could befriend and that look like they're lost? Am I trying to find somebody who, who I haven't been talking to or I haven't seen anybody talking to? Am I trying to help them to be encouraged, to be lifted up? Or do I stick with those who are most comfortable to me? Genuine love loves sacrificially and gives up the things that might make us feel good in order to serve other people uh, and initiate the love toward others and even those who are our enemies. You know, this is a really hard one for me and, and it's, it's, it's probably hard for you as well. As you, as you go out into the world and people are ugly and unkind and evil all around us doing things that make no sense to us, you know, the tendency that I have is to abhor, abhor that person <laughs> and not recognize that that's a soul and, and that the evil that they're doing is what I abhor. It's not the person that's inside of there. I want them to see who God is. Just like whenever we came to God, we were enemies. And God didn't abhor us, but He abhorred the evil that we were in and wanted it to be removed from us. Is this the way that we view those around us? And are we striving for peace as much as possible with those who are evil and ugly toward us? Uh, Are we striving to do what's honorable to all, to, to proclaim the excellencies of Him who called us out of darkness and into light? Uh, this is what we're here to do. Uh, We see Christians all the time failing to show this kind of love, failing to show this kind of self-control and living peacefully. And we find in ourselves that we struggle with this as well. Are we willing to change, to be renewed in the way that we think about others, to work on that continually and to get better and to grow, to love others genuinely? Do we have the genuine love that He talks about in this text. We want everybody else to show us this kind of love. I would love for everybody to be affectionate toward me, to be fervently serving all of my needs, and to be sacrificially serving me. But will I do this for those around me? Uh, And will I fill in for the void if that's what I find in the people that I'm surrounding myself with? Uh, If we have little love, what can we do to help with this. Uh, you may, Maybe you're like me and you look at yourself as I did at Disney World uh, and you start to think, what am I doing? You know, why is it that, I, that I'm, I'm putting on this show that I'm a preacher, I'm a righteous person? You know, why am I acting like I, I love people so much and then I, I find myself so quick-tempered with people? What's going on here? And, and I go to this text and it just kind of reveals that Genuine love is like God loves me. Genuine love is not a pretending to love people, but it's a sincere love from the heart that's able to overcome all of these obstacles that we face to love those people around us that are just different than us. Uh, And to welcome them in and to show them how God has loved us as we love them. We can't pretend to love those around us and act like we're okay. Uh, What we find in in Scripture is that if we do this, we're in deep danger. This is is awful. This is a bad thing to do. Uh, Jesus, in 
chastising the, the hypocrites of his day, said, Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites! For you cleanse the outside of the cup and plate, but inside they are full of greed and self-indulgence. You blind Pharisees, first clean the outside of the cup and the plate, that the uh, first clean the inside of the cup and the plate, that the outside also may be clean. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites! For you are like whitewashed tombs, which outwardly appear beautiful but within are full of dead people's bones and uncleanness. So you outwardly appear righteous to others, but within you are full of hypocrisy and lawlessness. It's easy for us to put on a veneer that, that we're really loving toward people. It may even be easy for us to do some acts that show that we're a loving person, but are we willing to actually love affectionately, fervently, and sacrificially those who are around us. And if we're not, are we pretending to love? The solution is stop pretending. Stop acting like I I have no problem loving everybody and I love you so much and when inside, you don't. you got a spiritual issue that that we need to work on, that that we need to address. You know, it's okay for us to to not be okay. We We can admit it. I struggle showing love to, to the people who are around me, uh, especially those who are lowly. I tend to overlook them, my enemies. It, it's okay to not be okay, but it's not okay to stay that way, and it's not okay to pretend that I'm okay when I'm really not. Uh, we have to be honest and sincere, and we have to ask for God to transform our hearts, renew our minds to be genuine, to be sincere in our love for one another and in our love for the lost around us. Uh, We need to abhor what is evil. We need to abhor malice and slander and, and any kind of evil thinking or jealousy or envy or anything like that that gets in the way of really loving people around us. We need to become forgiving people who are gentle and kind and patient and, and sincere and concerned, genuinely concerned for those around us. We need to make sure that everybody feels like a part of God's family. Because that's who we are. That's who God's called for us to be. Uh, To be brothers and sisters with one another. To be mothers and fathers with one another. Uh, He extended His mercy and His grace that we might learn from that how to love and be merciful and gracious to all those around us who are in need of love and grace and mercy in a world that doesn't know how to show it. So what are we going to do? Well, if, if you're like me and you, you've seen your struggles, we have a God who is abundantly willing to pardon and forgive and give us a second chance if we turn back to Him. We'll find forgiveness, we'll find grace, we'll find mercy, we'll find help for all that we need. He is willing to save us from ourselves and all the sinfulness that we're involved in. If we just put our faith and our trust in Him, if we're willing to make the transformation real inside, not just outside, but inside, that we love Him with all our hearts and that we really love each other like we act like we do. Are we willing to submit to His will? Are we willing to be a member of the family and be baptized into the family and put on Christ? 
And if you are a member of the family and you have wandered from the truth and you're not okay, are you willing to make a change and go to God in prayer and confess these things and be open about your failure and be willing to change? I hope you are. I hope hope we all can become what God wants us to be as God's people because the world needs that. The world needs for us to shine the light that everyone can see the glory of our our God who has saved us and redeemed us and provided for us everything we need. Uh, So if if you know what you need to do and you're, you're, you're ready to do that, please don't wait. Please come as we stand and sing.